Hi there. Quick service announcement before we get into today's episode. The name of the show has changed because it turns out we didn't have our intellectual property ducks in a row. The show is now called Queen Mary's Legal Bites Podcast. That's all from me. On with the episode. I spoke to a friend of mine who is an online model and influencer who has nearly 400,000 followers on Instagram. And she said that she's had a lot of experience where small businesses approach her wanting to send her their products for free and then ask her if she could post something about it. As much as this is a legitimate way of marketing and promotional campaigning, we must not forget that this is sponsored content and the influencer still needs to make it clear this product was given to her for free, regardless of if this is just a favor or you're doing it for a friend and your views are genuine. If you don't do it, you're essentially breaking the law. Welcome to today's episode of Queen Mary's Legal Bites podcast, based out of Queen Mary University of London's award-winning commercial law clinic. In today's show, we're talking about online influencer marketing. Everything we talk about is detailed in the show notes, link in the description. My name is Kaviana, and I am your host today. Joining me is the lovely Amber Booth, whom you may have already heard from in previous episodes. Hi, Amber. Tell me some of your thoughts on today's episode. Hello. I mean, when it comes to influencer marketing, I think it's definitely when it comes to, I guess, small businesses looking to get bang for their buck. It definitely is a great way to go. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's an area which might feel like there's no rules and you can do what you want. And that is definitely not the case. That's for sure. In the past few years, we are seeing loads more businesses and startups trying to establish an online presence. And that's only being accelerated since the start of the pandemic. Influencer marketing is one of the most effective ways to get your name and business out there, but many people don't realize that this is actually a practice that has regulations. And it's regulated in the UK by the Advertising Standards Authority, or the ASA. I think we need to first start with establishing what is an ad. A lot of the time when people think of influencer advertising, they're specifically thinking of affiliate marketing. Mm. which is the specific kind you'll often see on Instagram, on YouTube, where an influence will have something sent to them for free, and then they will kind of talk about it, maybe review it, and then they will then provide their audience with, say, a discount code or an affiliate code, which they can then use at checkout if they then buy that product. Mm -hmm. There's also a different kind, which is about editorial content. And this is actually a really important term that we're definitely going to come back to, Because this is where, say, a small business has actually a lot of control over the content specifically. So whether that's kind of providing a specific description that needs to be included, actually providing a script that needs to be read, this is actually a distinct type, which has its own distinct rules. And being paid in this context, it doesn't only include money. No, I think that's a, a classic thing that comes into so many different areas of law, especially contract law which is just because something doesn't, that no money changes hands, it doesn't mean that no value changed hands. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to, yeah, giving someone, say, free products, that definitely can bring you within some of these rules that you might think only applies when you like directly pay an influencer. Yeah. So um, you actually pointed out the bit about editorial control. I think we should go back to that. What businesses need to realize is that if you tell an influencer what to say in their caption in any capacity, um, this is editorial control. It doesn't have to be massive control. Um, It includes slogans, hashtags, certain phrases. 
I mean, yeah, and we definitely can't forget the content itself as well. Exactly. Specifying the content is also considered editorial control. So, for example, you're an influencer who receives a product from a business and the business asks you to do an unboxing on your Instagram story. This is editorial control on the content. They're telling you, do an unboxing, please, on your Instagram story. And it's an advert. So let's say in an alternative scenario, say I pay an influencer but actually, I don't. I don't have any ed- editorial control. I definitely don't tell them what to do. Kind of, what is that situation? So that is not an advert that is regulated by the ASA, but um, it is regulated under um, by the CMA, the Com- Competition and Market Authority, and um, under consumer protection law. So the influencer is still expected to disclose that the product was given for free. Um, maybe include a disclaimer saying that this is an advertisement feature or promotion. I think we also see a lot of um, influencers recently, they do like a hashtag ad gifted. And that's, you know, that that's probably something where they got it gifted to them and they reviewed it all on their own accord. Cool. So I guess the the question then comes to, I guess we've talked about what the influencers are doing, but what should the small businesses, what should the entrepreneurs be actually doing in these scenarios when they're reaching out for this kind of promotion? The small businesses, the the companies, all of this, they need to make sure that they follow the guidelines, that they inform the influencers about the guidelines because any breaking of these guidelines, they're going, it's, it's a responsibility of both parties. And with advertorials, um, so that when, that is when there is editorial control by the company, the code states that the ads must be obviously identifiable. And I mean, yeah, obviously identifiable is one of those lovely terms, which <laughs> it seems very vague when you hear it and you think, what does that mean? Under the CAP code, which is the ASA guidelines, This really just means that if a viewer is looking at an ad, they immediately need to be able to tell that it is an ad. And that can kind of be either in the title itself, in hashtags that are upfront and really visible, if that clarifying statement is hidden away at the end of a video, at the bottom of a comment section, that probably isn't going to be enough to meet this standard of obviously identifiable. Yeah, people really need to make sure that um, it's obviously identifiable on across all platforms so it's easy to forget that sometimes your post or your captions are seen on different devices so something that might be obviously displayed at the end of a post on when you're viewing it on a computer let's say is not so obvious when you're looking at it on a phone where loads of times the captions are condensed to allow for the smaller space and you have to click a see more and that probably won't cut it if you have to click on something, see more, search through a sea of hashtags, and then you get to see, oh, hashtag ad. I think another thing that also probably, I say probably, definitely doesn't cut it, is just having, say, an influencer thank your brand. Mm. Because even though you might think, okay, they've clearly stated that we're working together, that isn't enough to clearly state that it's an ad. So definitely remember that just simply having, say, at the beginning of the video, at the top of a post, thanking your brand, that also probably isn't going to meet those guidelines. Exactly. It's it's just about doing as much as possible to ensure that you're following the guidelines, you're not breaking any, any laws. And the the best thing you can do, the safest thing that you can do is just put 
you know, the disclaimer ad at the beginning of the caption or on the photo or whatever, or however the content is being displayed. And that's actually a good segue to talk about what actually happens if you break these guidelines. So the ASA investigates complaints that are sent to them, and they might reach out to both brand and influencer to ask some questions, and they usually try to informally reach a resolution. So this could either be giving you further advice or guidance or just simply asking you to take the post down or alter it. And after this happens, you will be added to a list on their website, which details complaints that they received. And there's not much detail into it. You can it's very easily go to the website and you just see maybe the name there and the number of complaints, but not much detail is being said. However, in more serious cases say when there have been multiple complaints against a business or if the complaint itself is actually just more serious in nature, there can be more formal investigations. You might end up with an actual formal ruling from the ASA and this will also be visible. If people search up on the internet, they will be able to see that this has happened and this kind of comes with that issue of reputational damage. Exactly. And these reports of the decisions and the rulings from formal investigations, they are going to be much more detailed. They would describe the incident and their pages actually are designed to appear on Google as a one of the top results if you do search for your business name. And yes, this would really affect the reputation of these businesses, especially if you're new to the game and you're just trying to get your name out there. You don't have much goodwill built up already and you're just trying to start an online presence. There's also the issue of if you're reaching out to an influencer, they are probably speaking to the audience you're interested in. And if they have a bad experience with you, that could actually Mm. do a surprising amount of damage, especially when you're reaching out to those micro-influencers who are really specifically in that area. The damage could be bigger than you think and could last longer than you think. Exactly. You want to keep a good relationship with these people. So just a quick overview. What would you say are the key points, the key advice, the most important steps people should take to ensure that they're within the laws and within the guidelines? I mean, first and foremost, if you're reaching out to an influencer, just try and be ethical, try and follow the rules. Always remember that, you know, there are terms of service that they're working to, Mm -hmm. even if you're not necessarily kind of implicated by the ASA guidelines, just really think about kind of what you're asking and how that might impact on them and their obligations. Obviously, if this does lean into editorial control, definitely check out the ASA guidelines, specifically look up the cap code and make sure that you check that you know exactly what your obligations are. Exactly. It's, it's, in the end of the day, we all just want to make it a safe environment for the consumers, for the influencers, for these brands. And we always want to try to do the most because these people, especially the people who follow these influencers, they have that relationship of trust. And you want to just ensure that that relationship is respected. And with that, all that's left to say is a massive thank you to Amber for joining me on today's episode. Thank you for listening. 